Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now your ears do not deceive you you have just entered the cryptid creator corner brought to you by your friends at comic book yeti so without further ado let's get on to the interview Welcome, everyone, to uh, Comic Book Yeti's newest podcast, The Cryptid Creator Corner. This is Jimmy Gasparro for Comic Book Yeti, and I am uh, very excited to be here with uh, Tim Seeley. Um, you may know Tim as the artist of G.I. Joe or Halloween, Wildcats, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Tim is additionally wears a hat as a writer as well. You may be familiar with Hack Slash, Nightwing, Grayson, um, Revival, or Vault Comics Money Shot. And we're here to talk to Tim about his uh, newest uh, original graphic novel with humanoids, Chronophage. Uh, Tim, uh, welcome to the uh, Cryptid Creator Corner. That's a, that's a mouthful. Uh, you got that. Well done. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yes. Um, uh, it's this. Uh, Something new that we're doing here with Comic Book Yeti to um, uh, jump into the uh, podcast format. So thank you very much for being here to uh, to talk about uh, Chronophage with me. And um, for anyone who might be listening who's you know not familiar uh, with with your work, how did you get started in terms of uh, drawing and writing comic books? Uh, I mean, the short answer to that, because that could be a while, but the, the short answer is, when I was a kid, um, you know, I lived in the country, wasn't a lot to do, and, and so I started reading comics at a very early age, and right around the time that I started reading them, I, I was immediately, like, trying to draw them and trying to make them, and uh, I didn't really know there was a difference, I just knew you made comics, I didn't know there's writers and artists and all that stuff, so um, I just always did that as a kid, and I, you know, majored in illustration in college, and um, I got uh, I did an internship at Marvel when I was in college as well. And so, you know, I kind of rolled out of that into uh, doing some freelance comic stuff and got hired on at Devil's Do Comics as a, uh, a staff artist. Uh, and then out of frustration with, you know, just sort of only drawing, I, I'd written Hack Slash and um, someone else drew it. Stefano Caselli drew that one. And uh, I guess that kind of got me sent on this uh, track where I write and I draw. And then eventually pretty much just become mostly I just write. Uh, occasionally I still draw, but it seems like I, I guess I'm kind of a writer now and, um, you know, I've always been a big horror fan. And so uh, obviously with Hackslash and Revival, both of those being that genre. So this is um, a different kind of horror story, I guess, than either of those, although it kind of has elements of both, I guess. Yeah, that's true. I, in reading it, and I think in reading um, some of the description that I was sent, uh, categorized chronophage as kind of like a, a romantic horror um, which I would agree with, uh, and appropriate that we're talking today on St. Valentine's Day, if you... Yeah, if yeah. You... I think that was uh, purposeful on the part of, uh, of humanoids to release it today, so that, that's perfect. 
It, yes, it, it is. Um, have you, in terms of your familiarity or, or having done horror comics, but have you ever, in any of your work, do you feel like tackled like the more romantic or relationship driven side of storytelling? Funny shot. Yeah. I mean, although that was, you know, people see it on from the outside, it's just about like sex, but it's really about human relationships and the intimacy. So it's, uh, that's something I'm really interested in. I think, you know, from the outside, you look at, you can look at my stuff and be like, oh, he's interested in sex because he shows half naked people and, uh, you know, a lot of underwear shots, but, but it's always been a driving sort of interest for me in sort of intimacy and human relationships. And, um, you know, a theme of all my stories, I think to some degree, uh, even Revival, which was obviously about sex because there was a big pregnancy story involved with it. Um, so this is just kind of combining those things, but I guess doing it more specifically as a romance, uh, but also kind of playing against kind of those ideas of intimacy and this kind of time we spend with people as also being something I, I find kind of terrifying. You know, this, uh, and the, the word chronophage is, is sort of a you know, jokey bastardization, which literally just means time waster or eater of time, something that eats your time. So, you know, that that was the the sort of impetus here is just like, you know, losing literal moments of your life and, and you know, what would you get rid of if you could or what would you take back that you lost? That was kind of the, the overarching inspiration uh, of the story. And, you know, kind of doing like a science fiction vampire story, I guess, was kind of a, a big inspiration as well. Um, yeah, there's a, it's neat reading it and seeing those different elements and I, I thought the horror elements and those aspects of it were 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 excellent and the artist on this is Elias uh, Kiriatsis and um, I mean fa fantastic work in terms yeah. of the the look of it um, but one of the things I wanted to ask you about which in terms of the the construction of it there's a lot of um, like six panel pages two by two by two and then when things go bonkers uh it it really breaks out of that mold when you're when you're scripting it are are, are you always thinking about that that structure and and how you want those panels to look or how much freedom as someone who you know you're also an artist do you give your artists when they're working on a story you know like this so this one was built around that idea because one of the things we talked around very early was this idea that in comics time and space are the same thing right so you show the progression of time in comics by, you know, either speeding us up with the amount of space we take, right? More panels, less panels, um, you know, democratic grid, uh, hierarchical grid, you know, and, and all those things are time, right? You're reading it and you're, you're uh, basically breaking this down at a, at a measured pace. And so that was absolutely part of the, the thought. And then we, it even becomes part of the story, right? She, uh, Chloe describes life like comics, she says, you know, the, the, the parts that you remember, the important stuff is the panels and everything else is that thing in between, you know, the gutter, like that's the, <laughs> so it's really sort of about comics as well. Um, and that was absolutely a conversation that uh, Elias and I had very early on was, you know, that really play with pacing. Um, a big inspiration for us was Scott McCloud. A bit, other big inspiration was um, David Laffin's Stray Bullets, uh, you know, kind of lulling you into a false sense of security, playing with the grid, and I knew Ilias was the guy to do this. Like he, he understands that kind of storytelling to agree, uh, which a lot of cartoonists don't. And, and so, you know, having uh, the, the page essentially break down as the, as the story gets, you know, faster and, and the things start coming at our character faster until literally the page breaks down and she can run across it. 
it was it was something that we said would would be a you know an experiment that we would play with this book. Well, um, you know, my uh, humble opinion, it it works and it works so well. And you um you just mentioned one of the the quotes from very early on in the first few pages that Chloe, the main character, says when she talks about life being like a comic strip and that there is, there's a whole lot that's implied. Um, it was uh, such a smart bit of dialogue in the beginning because you really feel like you're, the, you're gonna get a lot, the scope of this comic is gonna be huge. You feel like you're really gonna get a glimpse of the, the enormity of someone's life, but those intimate moments as well. And th was that like an idea or a quote that came to you early on or did, did that just hit you as you were writing it? It almost seems like that that would be one of those quotes that you could then build a story around. Yeah, it was like a, I mean, in this case, you know, a lot of things that I do are pretty improv. And, I, and that's I, <laughs> the job of being a comic book writer is pretty improv, right? I, making comics in general, because you're, you're always responding to the thing you made that you can't change, right? Because you write issue one, and then when issue four comes out, it's set in stone. There's no way for you, you know, um, and, and, and that's an issue of time as well. But in this case, because I had an OGN, um, I was able to really sort of write this all together, uh, which is kind of a, you know, another metaphor here. He says in the book, in, in you know, in, in time, how it works is that everything happens all at once and you just experience it uh, over the course of this thing we call time. And, and so that was true of making the book is that it was, it was sort of built instead of, you know, progressing and, and me, re, you know, sort of reacting and, and that being part of making comics. This case, it was very well considered. That quote was chosen because I knew what we were going to do at the end and, and how we were going to play this out. Uh, so it's, it was a different experience of making something. Uh, I really liked it um, more than I thought I would, uh, you know, having that extra time and uh, Humanoids being the kind of publisher that does that. Uh, it's like you kind of you understand why a lot of those European books are sort of, you know, they're more worked, they're more considered, they're, you know, they may, they may not be as sort of chaotic and fun as uh, a lot of Western American comics because that's how we make these things, right? It's just like, you know, it's always riffing, but um, I, it, made, it made me understand a lot of the process as well. And, you know, I, I would love to do more of this kind of thing uh, just because it's so rare, you know, <laughs> to make right. something have have it be fully formed and have it be considered and, and know what you're going to do uh, and be able to go back and change things. That's incredible. You know, that's like <laughs> literally the point of the book, right? Like there's a lot of circular crap going on here that, you know, I'm discovering yeah. I can go back and change my story, which is literally what the story is about. So uh, yeah, lots of, lots of stuff in here. I hope people are picking up on. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a very uh, r real opportunity to get kind of meta <laughs> with, yeah. with what's happening in terms of the, the actual construction of the book. I mean, this, um, I mean, this is your first like original graphic novel like this, right? Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah. I, I've done things before that, I, I'm actually working on another one. Um, I started after uh, this one, but yeah, I mean, you know, I've certainly done things where they were collected or they were six part stories that were made into that, but yeah, nothing that was like, written at once. Uh, this was the first time. And then your first time working with uh, Humanoids as well. How did that come about? And how has that collaboration been? I mean, it was great. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've known those guys, uh, various people work there. Uh, Rob Levin was a friend of mine from DC and Top Cow. Heather Antos was somebody I worked with at Marvel and Valiant. They're, they're all people I know and their friends. 
Um, and you know, they work, they start working on humanoids. Uh, Mark Wade, I know, uh, also he's a comic book legend, so that's cool. But uh, the, the, <laughs> the original thing was this is an idea I had, I kept as a film idea, actually. I'd, I'd written it down at one point in a notebook and it was just like, I don't know, I never, I had never written a movie at the time, but I, I just had this idea for, and it basically just said, you know, a, a woman is, um, meets a guy who allows her to change her past, but you know, at what cost kind of, and, and the, some of the other notes were like, like a Dracula story kind of thing. And then um, uh, Rob Levin had called me one day when he was working at Humanoids and just said, I, I would like to do something with you. Do you have any ideas? Do you have something that could be like a romantic horror story? He literally, that's one of the first words he said. I was like, I, have, I actually do have one. And so, uh, you know, I, I remember he told me that and then I put the phone down, I went and got a haircut. And then I went home and grabbed my notebook and I was like, dude, I got one, I got it, I had this right here. Uh, so, um, you know, it was a little bit of kismet. Uh, I have, you know, notebooks laying around with ideas. Uh, and some of them become something and some of them my daughter draws in and I never, who knows what was in there and we'll never know. Um, but th this is one of those cases. It was something I'd kicked around. Um, you know, sometimes it takes years. This one I think I thought of maybe four years ago and, and now it's coming into the world. So uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, that is uh, that is pretty cool how, how it came about. Um, you know, one of the things with Chloe and the, the character that herself, uh, and we, we meet Chloe and she's working at a Dollar Days and a delivery person. And um, she has, I think her daughter is 16 years old in the story yeah. thereabouts. And she had her daughter when, when, when she was 16, you learn in the story. And, um, you know, an element of this story is uh, that, that her daughter early on uses against her is like, you didn't want me. Yeah. And... Uh, Parent, I'm a parent. I have two kids, but and I, I know a lot of parents. And something sometimes parents don't talk about is when they have when when a a, a pregnancy and a birth you know might be initially unplanned. Their feelings of maybe doubt at the time or guilt or resentment that that resolve over time. But very few stories ever even come anywhere close to approaching that topic of there's a lot of doubt in terms of raising another person. And I was very surprised um, by that element of the story and how it, how it's dealt with and how it's talked about, especially by like the main character and how her daughter uses it as a weapon against her. Um, I just, I just thought that, I don't know if I have a question. I just thought that was very well done and <laughs> you don't see it a lot. <laughs> I mean, one of the things as I get older and you sort of, you change, um, what you find frightening, right? So like, you know, I, I love slasher movies, but one of the things about slasher movies is what they're really about is your sort of, you know, your fear of the fact that um, you're, you're young and, and you're, you make some choices that are based on sex and, and you're afraid you're gonna get punished for them, right? Like that's, that's what those stories are really about. It's not an actual fear of hockey mask, right? It, it's it's sure. about something different. And, uh, and now that I'm older, I have different fears, more of them which is weird because you would think you wouldn't, but you know more. And so you know more to be afraid of them. And so, and one of those fears is just that, that, you know, what we, my wife, uh, I, she got pregnant and we, um, she, we had just gotten married and, and, you know, uh, our part of our reaction was like, you know, we were pretty shocked. It was not planned. It was not, uh, we had decided we were going to just be cool aunt uncles. We thought, you know, <laughs> that we would have a different life. And so, you know, you makes you that moment made me feel some things that that scared me. You know, like um, 
a lot of doubt and you know some some just things that are uh, I really tried to sort of capture in this story and the, the idea the initial idea for the story that came before those feelings and so that those feelings really helped inform the story more because it became more real it became more honest and and you know I put them in there because they're they're real they're real things that people feel and you know like you said you don't spend a lot of time talking about them but they, they you know I think horror is the place to confront those things that that's the place to do it yeah no i i, I agree i agree 100 percent. it is um I, I wanted to ask you uh in terms of going through this there were a couple of things that um uh i i learned uh in terms of uh, the term uh zeptosecond um which <laughs> right. i i had to google and is uh, for anyone that doesn't know um when you come across it in chronophage which uh you should read, hopefully you all are, um, shortest unit of time ever measured. Was that a term that you had heard and wanted to work in the book or did you have to like do research on what could I call this thing that I want to put in here? No, it's a, uh, you know, I mean, if you read Money Shot, you know, I, I'm very interested in science. I'm not smart enough to be a scientist, but I, I'm really interested in it and always have been. And uh, I read a lot of articles and, and I try to like note things that I find are fascinating. So at some point, the Zepto second was something I, I saw and I was like, I, I use that somewhere. Um, but it's, it's really interesting to think about because why would you have to measure? Yeah, I just like the way that science works is so fascinating. And they, they quantify things that, you know, like it, that seem unquantifiable or unnecessarily so, but they, they're so important to this, this overall structure that they're, they're trying to understand. And, and so, yeah, that was, <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed the Zepto second. Uh, it is real <laughs> science. Um, and, you know, obviously this is a, you know, fantastical story, but all the things that he talks about are actual theories, right? Like the idea that we, you know, all things in time happen at the same time, or all, all things happen essentially at the same time, but you, you're, you perceive them and that force is called time, right? That, that's a really hard thing to understand, but it's, it's, it doesn't even make sense to even say it, but that's kind of part of the, a major part of the story as well. Right. Okay. Yeah, I just, uh, it's fascinating to me, like you come across stuff like that. Um, and I know I'm kind of like uh, going into, you know, some, some minor points here, but there's so many different influences that I've noticed in this that I hope people read it and, and discover on their own. One of the things I'm interested in whenever I read are in terms of musical influence as well. And there's a pretty big musical influence here with, uh, I believe the, there's a song that song lyric that you refer to uh, early on when Chloe first meets the the other character Heath in a bar and um, uh, it, in terms of that type of music is that something that's particular to the neighborhood where they grew up in in Portage Park I mean I believe I looked it up and it's uh, well you would be able to tell me but cult song Prosto yeah yes yeah yeah and I, I found the music I found the music video uh, you, everyone you should do that too um, it's not necessarily something I would have ran towards, but um, so is that right? Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm a quarter Polish. Um, my grandfather uh, and my grandmother uh, both at some point. My grandma's Polish. My grandpa's Czech. They both lived in Chicago at some point. I did not grow up in Chicago, but um, the, there's a huge Polish population here. At various points in history, there have been more Polish people in Chicago than there have there were in the capital of uh, in, you know uh, in Warsaw. So it, uh, it's a, this huge population here, and, and I, I've lived in Chicago for now uh, more, almost 20 years. 
and I moved out uh, to a neighborhood that is is Porter Park, and it is that's um, a very big part of the of the the neighborhood. Um, so that song was something I had heard um, and was trying to look for it because it's such a weird. What, one of the things I picked it for is because she goes to this place and you know it's a neighborhood bar and someone is singing these, these songs and she can't understand it. It's like this weird, you know, like there's something you feel kind of um, more vulnerable, I think sometimes like, you know, when you're traveling and you're sort of in a place and, and you don't, you're not in familiar, you're not hearing familiar words, you're not having a familiar beer. Uh, and so I, I chose those things and maybe, you know, it's only subtle, but it, it allows Chloe to be a little bit more vulnerable, I think. And when Heath comes in and sort of applies this stuff, um, but also the interesting, you know, Poland has obviously very interesting history. And if you wanted to sort of incorporate some of those things into what we were going for as an overall story, you could. Uh, but uh, but it, yeah. it is very much part of the of Chicago in general um, and, and this neighborhood specifically. Uh, and I did set it where I live. Uh, I wanted to do that for a long time. And uh, a lot of the, you know, the, the characters and stuff are, are inspired by people I see when I, you know, this was written during... Um, COVID lockdown so it was inspired by like the few people I could see <laughs> right <laughs> right um, I would see people going to the grocery store or going to um, you know the, the, the local dollar store going to the bar you know those I, I, it was inspired in part by that right yeah there's a lot of little details that I, 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 I noticed in it that's you know the neighborhood almost seemed like you know a bit of a character itself in terms of you know some of those those aspects that were brought in that i uh, done in a very clever way um you know but mining for those little old, details yeah. are fun it's also I'm sorry? a very old neighborhood it's an old neighborhood yeah. and that was important because there's a element of time travel here and so um it was a place i could find reference to send alias of what it used to look like so that was a yeah. big part too nice Nice. Um, well, I don't. I don't want to. Uh, I'll. I'll talk all night. I don't want to uh, keep you too much longer. But um, ten more minutes. You go ahead. Go. <laughs> uh, well, um, I wanted to ask you. Tom King does the foreword yeah. uh, for this, and I, you and and Tom have uh, worked together on, you know, various books. And one one of the things that he says in the foreword, a, a quote that you told him was to. I think it was when you were working on Grayson that know what book you're doing and make that book the best it can be. In terms of that idea, it seems so simple, you know, know what book you're doing, but is that something that you consciously think of every time you sit down, if you're taking on somebody else's IP or if it's a creator owned story, you know, is that something that you're making conscious effort of know what book you're doing? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, I, the thing is, you know, having Tom say it is funny because he's such a, a great writer and he's, a, you know, his superhero work is much more, more complicated and sort of more, I would say, like, you know, formalistic than mine. And, um, and so sometimes I think like, well, maybe the world would have preferred a Tom King version, <laughs> the, the Holocaust story he wanted doing Grayson. Um, maybe they would have preferred it. I don't know. But I, I, I always like that he, um, you know, he, he, he's a guy who, he, he did exactly that. Like I said, we should do that. And he was like, all right. And then he, when we would work together, he would just come up with these great ideas in the tone of what we'd established. And um, it was such a good, you know, uh, it was a good uh, team up. I think we, we gave all our, our best qualities to it. And I, 
was funny because when I was working on this book, I was like, this is a Tom King book. Carl Page is, is all the things that I told him not to put into Grayson because I thought it would be too dark and too, <laughs> you know, too formalistic. And, 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 and so it was, I had to ask him to do the uh, intro because I was like, I, I did finally write a Tom King book, right? This one is about the form, right? It's about comics. It's about time and space and comics. It's, you know, uh, it's dark. It's, it's got a lot of like really sort of uh, heady stuff. Things I would have been like, let's keep Grayson sexy and entertaining. Like, <laughs> so, right. you know, it's also sort of the, you know, going back to this, all these things that we're thinking about, it's also in part the what if, right? I mean, what if when we, I was working with Tom, I just shut the fuck up, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> What would uh, Grayson have been? I mean, that's an interesting thing, you know, and obviously yeah. known for these things that I don't do in superhero books. I, I'm, maybe I'm not interested. I don't know. I just don't, I know I don't do them. But I, you know, here I did them because I felt like they were part, this was this book. This is the book I do this in. Uh, you know, I wouldn't do this to, you know, to Superman or something, but I would do this to Chloe, right? That was right. kind of, uh, so yeah, there's all kinds of meta in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'll have to go back and, and read it again and see if there's any, if it is a Tom King book, there, there'd be at least a couple of panels of Chloe just staring out at the rain, right? And that's what Tom <laughs> right. says his books are. <laughs> uh, there is a big rain component. Remember, there's the whole thing with the umbrella and then she leaves the umbrella. That's a whole, yeah. yeah there's there, a whole thing here. There is. Yeah, there is. Um, well, I, um, uh, I, I loved it. Absolutely loved Chronophage. Um, I hope everyone checks it out, picks it up. Um, now, I know you, um, in terms of other stuff you're working on, is Money Shot at Vault, is that still ongoing? And then I know, you, I think you have something coming to the the newer crowdfunding platform, Zoop, Love Bunny, and, and Mr. Hell. Um, what, a, what, uh, what do you got? I'm sorry. It's, a, it's my first book, really, my first comic. Uh, we're redoing it in a nice fancy hardcover. The last version that I printed had some errors, so I always wanted to fix it. So that's why we're doing it. It's, Zoop is just sort of a, you know, crowdfunded thing. Um, Money Shot is, uh, I did the t 15 issues and then we took a little break so we could do West of Sundown at Vault. So uh, I didn't have time to do, you know, too many books, but I can do my five issues of West of Sundown and then we'll come back to uh, to Money Shot. Uh, but West of Sundown is my um, horror Western kind of combination uh about uh, the creation of america kind of sort of about that uh and so that comes out uh in march march 23rd i believe oh great awesome well i'll be sure to look for that it's uh it feels like westerns are back again a little bit in the zeitgeist in terms of comics so yeah that's i don't know I, I did it's when we started this i don't think we thought that we just were like we just i, I had this notion and i pitched it to aaron campbell uh, who's an old friend of mine he had all these ideas and so then i was like i have to do this with aaron and then he's <laughs> uh, and he came up with this like aesthetic that blended um you know old hammer horror movie posters and and then old sergio leone movie posters and we're like oh we have to do this so no point of us was thinking like oh this is hip it was us thinking like oh this is this is something that feels like legendary and and you know uh that i haven't seen also before so oh that's cool no, I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, uh, all right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Tim. This has uh, been Tim Seeley talking about Chronophage. Uh, and I believe it comes out, by the time this podcast hits, it should be out, coming out February 15th. And um, uh, thank, make sure you pick it up. And this has been Jimmy Gasparro for Comic Book Yeti. Until next time.
This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.